Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 24 of the Filmotomy podcast. I'm your host, Big Al Robinson, a.k.a. The List Man. And today is Saturday, uh, April 14th. And today I have Daniel Smith-Rousey here. Good morning. And I have Steve Schweighoffer. Good morning. And um, so we're going to keep this uh, a fairly short episode for you guys. But today we're going to talk uh, mostly about the uh, controversy of the Cannes Film Festival versus Netflix. But first, I just want to mention that uh, the great director Milos Forman died today. And that's such a big loss for the film industry and for all of us. And, uh, you know, he um, won Best Picture a couple times and he will uh, definitely be missed. Yeah, I want to say that uh, I'm very impressed with uh, our own B. Gardner's uh, obituary to him. Uh, more than an obituary, you know, a long tribute in Filmotomy. I mean, she she uh, cranked that out quite quickly, m- much quicker than I could have ever done it, and it reads very well. So uh, I recommend all listeners, you know, jump on that. Even if it's been a week or two weeks or three weeks, you can still find that, so that's exciting. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other thing is that uh, we we've got – the majority of the Cannes Film Festival's competition lineup announced, and I think at this point there's 17 filled, 21 in total available, so I think they have four left. Is that right? I don't know the numbers. Uh, Steve, they, have a couple they have a couple openings left, I know. Okay. Everybody's got their fingers crossed that Claire Denis gets in. but. Mm. Because they have enough, there's a terrible shortage of uh, female films, even though they have a female uh, chairman of the jury. Right, right, okay. Of course, uh, Robin uh, posted about what the lineup is, so if you want to go to that post, that's up on filmotomy.com. It's uh, labeled the 71st Festival of the Cannes Film Lineup, and there you'll see all that are currently scheduled to compete and uh, yeah, it, it looks good. I just want to mention that probably the one that excites me the most at this moment is the new Spike Lee film, Black Klansman. So yeah, me too. Or it's up there. It's uh, you, you heard it's also the first time any black person has been, been in the can competition in in four years. It's not that they've never done it, but you know they don't certainly don't see themselves as having to do it every year. I hadn't heard that, but. Uh, that's great that, uh, especially somebody as uh, well-versed as Spike Lee is in it, sure. to represent. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm excited for it in, by any, for, for lots of reasons. Yeah, yeah, because I love Spike Lee's style. Yeah, it should be, should be great. Yeah. Um, all right, well, so, um, so, yeah, the main crux of what our topic today is, uh, the Cannes Film Festival versus Netflix, and basically what this is, if you're not already familiar, is that the Cannes Film Festival has announced that it is banning uh, Netflix from competing and basically having anything to do with their film festival at this point. And I believe that part of that extended from the fact that last year they premiered Okja and then Okja decided to do their day-and-date film release on Netflix and basically Khan got pissed off that 
they kind of <laughs> backed off what they promised because they can thought that essentially Okja was going to hit theaters as well, and they didn't. And they thought, well, if you, if that's the game you guys want to play, then we're going to play the game too, and you you will not be invited back. Can requires that a film being shown at the festival has to have a release date in French theaters, exclusive French, as exclusively in French theaters before it goes anywhere else, including streaming. And that's yeah. not that's not uh, Netflix business model. Yep. Oh, okay. I hadn't heard that much, but uh, yeah, no, that makes some sense. I mean, well, how do you guys feel about this just in general? I mean, do you think they're kind of overblowing this or are they justified? Uh, Steve, you want to go first? or? Uh... Well, it's their party, so they can do as they like. But like the Oscars, I mean, these are two, these are two big, big uh, organizations. One of them takes the films that are coming out in the year and the other one rewards them on the way out. And they're neither one of them are particularly flexible. They're they're not real good at evolving. Yeah. Um, Ken never used to. They used to. Uh, they used to uh, put down American films, especially the big blockbusters. And yet this year they're showing uh, New Han Solo. <laughs> out, out of, of competition. competition, sure. Out sure. of competition, but still they're showing it. Right. Yeah, I hadn't heard that much. Um, oh, that's interesting. I wouldn't. I can't see like that kind of film uh, debuting at at Cannes like that. Well, they they do that sometimes. The thing is, Cannes is a Cannes, in my impression, is a big trade show, and that's where people go to find distributors. Yeah. And uh, Netflix, and this is where Cannes does have a point. Netflix already has their distribution uh, machine in motion. Right. They're not right. looking they're not looking for a theater. Right. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Yeah, I you know, it it's sad to me because I, I feel like I see the industry, you know, bifurcating further. You know, you have you know, well in America we often talk about, you know, this the difference between the blockbusters and then like what I guess Sasha Stone often calls, you know, Oscar Island, you know, these these high quality films and you know, the budget for those has steadily reduced in just like the last 20 years. We, we talked about that, you know, in comparison to 1999, you know, and um, this kind of thing, it's, you know, so that was already happening before Netflix exploded onto the scene in this decade. And so then it became, well, what's, what will Netflix's effect be on all of that? Um, I wrote a little book <laughs> that was published by uh, Bloomsbury, uh, the Netflix effect, or I shouldn't say I, I entirely wrote it. I gathered a bunch of other brilliant essayists who are smarter than me uh, and wrote some of it. But uh, anyway, my name got to be on the cover, so I'm excited. But uh, we talked about that. Um, it's, you know, it, it's, this is hard to say quickly, uh, but I think that, um, Ted Sarandos's business model in international competition, or sorry, not competition, but international, um, you know, acquisition and how they want Netflix to run. They really do want to uh, monopolize a certain experience, you know, for their international users. They want to, they want to be sure that um, they, you know, that they have all these ways of finding out um, what 
say, French viewers are doing. Um, I don't know that the French are loving this. Now, I don't know that can always stands for France. I mean, I don't think you, you know, you, it's, that's, that's too easy uh, an illusion to make, or as the French might say, illusion. Um, but um, well, I do think this is a really interesting right. kerfuffle, which could have major ramifications. It could further kind of isolate some of these, uh, some of Oscar Island. I hope it doesn't. Um, it, or it could... Uh, in its own way, uh, serve to sort of, um, how can I put this? Like the brand of these, these quality films could actually be improved in a weird way by standing up against the sort of, because Netflix is never going to be the only game in town, no, no matter how much money they're throwing around. They're always going to have to compete with Amazon and I'm sure Disney streaming, uh, you know, now that Steve mentioned a Disney film, <laughs> directed by somebody working for Kathleen Kennedy uh, at Lucasfilm, but it's a Disney film, you know, so that's going to be a streaming platform. So there's going to be, you know, there's, I I don't know, um, not sure how this is all going to shake out, but this is, I I see ramifications. Well, Ken is basically, basically controlled by exhibitors. Yeah. And they have been, they have been merging and being bought out and, uh, I guess in 2012, Wanda, a, a Chinese conglomerate that basically specializes in uh, sports, real estate development, and amusement parks, bought AMC, which is the the massive uh, distributor. So, yeah, right. <laughs> with that in mind, it's obvious what sort of uh, films that company is going to want to distribute if they're into the amusement park business. Right. So um, they they really uh, they would have very little use for uh, anything that comes out on itty bitty Netflix. I don't think. Right. I guess the question becomes. So I guess Steve. I mean, and I assume Al is going to ask this question too. And I mean, I'm not sure what how I would answer this. But if you're the equivalent of you know Bong Joon Ho or Noah Baumbach, and you know, and you've got your you know you, you don't know who else is going to give you the budget to make Okja or the Meyerowitz stories, and I know there are going to there are a lot more of these people that have already got stuff in the pipeline, and you already <laughs> made your deal with the devil with Netflix. I don't think Netflix is that bad, um, but you know, what are you supposed to do? I guess for you, can just becomes one thing that you just can't do and you know you're just like okay well you know it's like missing uh you know your cousin's wedding i guess you know you just well okay that's something that didn't happen in my life this time but so what you know kind of i mean i'm not sure how, how if you're if you're bong jun ho if you're one of the and you know obviously this is going to extend to all kinds of people the alfonso Cuarones of the world or whoever uh does it matter to you are you going to say hey you know what netflix i'm not going to do this deal with you unless you do let me premiere it at Cannes, or you say, you know, Netflix, thanks for offering me $10 million than, more than anybody else, but I'm not going to do it because you won't, because I can't go to the French party in May. What, what would think, you do? I think the big problem is that uh, small small producers like Netflix, just because they're, they're, they're showing on uh, different, different device, different media than, uh, than regular films, they are blocked from can and they are blocked at the end from the Oscars. So uh, those are two big publicity, two big two, two big places to uh, promote your promote your work. Right. Yeah. Well, right. I mean, that, that 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 is a problem because neither one of those seem to be evolving to accept the new way the new way that we will be viewing films, whether they like it or not. Right. I mean, I guess when I think about 
your question, Daniel. Like, I think about the fact that, like, you know, even though can is a way of showing film to the world where it's it's an artistic statement, you know, we have to also remember that all film is also a commercial product. And so I think about the fact that, like, one of the questions they might be asking themselves is what is better not only for the profit but also for my my career is it better to 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 try and go to the con film festival and get seen in front of a big international crowd that will then turn around and put it on twitter and facebook and in all sorts of different places that build the buzz for it or is it better right. to go to netflix and go you know I understand that Netflix might bury this, but they're going to pay me a shit ton because that's what their business model seems to be at the moment. Right. And I mean, it's tough. I, I don't know. I guess part of it is, is I think about how established of a director or a producer are you? You know, I mean, like I, I, I immediately thought of the fact that we're going to see um, the Irishman premiere on Netflix and, yeah, Scorsese's not afraid of Netflix whatsoever. Right. And granted, even though that will not be ready um, until later this year, the fact that somebody like Scorsese, who is one of the most respected filmmakers around and has been for a long time, would not be eligible to premiere at Cannes is kind of a big deal. The fact yeah. that, I mean... You know, and I don't know how the world might see somebody like uh, Junho Bong, but I feel like um, Scorsese is sort of on another level. And so somebody smaller like a Noah Baumbach or a Junho Bong, they might have to consider what the ramifications could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think right now they might be wondering for themselves exactly what those ramifications are. Right. I mean, you, you add that to Spielberg saying that Netflix movies, uh, you know, shouldn't yeah. compete for Oscars. But, you know, I mean, and now he's only one guy, but, you know, he probably moves the needle a little bit, you know. Um, so we'll see, I mean, just where this shakes out. But I, I would be a little worried, I guess, about the long term health of my film. Uh, I mean, another thing is that. Uh, the one, I mean, so I think that the big Netflix advantage, the thing that Scorsese and other people have been attracted to, is is the money. You know, they're obviously offering a lot more money than anybody else, and they know that. The, and when you go with Netflix, you know that you're going to get paid. You know that people are going to see it. It's not like it's going to disappear down a hole. Like sometimes we're sometimes you rent a movie and you see these trailers and you're like wait a second, somebody spent $20 million on this movie with Patricia Arquette and I never even heard that it was made, or something. You know, th that's not going to happen. You know, Netflix is going to have it. And they may even do something to promote it. Um, but on the other hand, you get no, you usually get no back end. I don't know if Scorsese negotiated a back end. Uh, and in general, Netflix is kind of a black box in terms of uh, knowing how many people saw your movie. I mean, I don't know if people like Will Smith can get Netflix to tell them how many eyes saw Bright, <laughs> you know, or yeah. but they have been they've been famously tight lipped uh, about, you know, numbers about their algorithms. Uh, I mean, they wouldn't talk to here. We me and my uh, co-author, Kevin, we were, uh, 
you know, we're we're writing like the third book on Netflix, and they don't respond to phone calls or emails. So I actually drove down to Los Gatos uh, to their office. I just walked into their building, uh, and I said, you know, eventually I start, I'd get to talk to somebody there, and he goes, uh, <laughs> he, you know, it's I had a good conversation with the guy, but he's like, yeah, you're not going to meet anybody, you know. And I was like, well, I'm we're writing the book anyway. I, I that was my argument to him. You know, this book is coming out with your name on the cover. You know, it's called the Netflix effect and you know there's been very few books about netflix so this is your chance to get on the record i thought you might want to you know for your own sake for just defensive sake. no we don't want to get on the record now i i know ted sarandos uh you know the chief content officer of uh netflix obviously he makes statements to the press um but they are strangely you know uh recondite they are uh they don't they they keep themselves to themselves they don't go to like the the TVCA, whatever that is, the TV critics go to every year uh, and present things because they're not TV, they're Netflix, which is something HBO exactly. used to say about themselves, but uh, they still go to that TV thing. And <laughs> TV that's, a, that's, that's an argument that really ticks me off when I hear, uh, well, the Netflix Netflix films should be eligible for Emmys. They Theaters are closer to television than Netflix is because theaters right. and uh, television are commercially sponsored. Yeah. You get commercials in theaters and you get commercials on TV. You don't get right. commercials on Netflix. Yeah. 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 I uh, I don't know exactly where this is going to go, but I think what, you know, I it might be that in 10 years from now, we're looking at uh, Martin Scorsese and Noah Baumbach and Brad Pitt and all these other people who have been doing business with Netflix and saying to them, well, they they kind of made they did what they did but it it did, you know for the long term we don't we can't find their movies as easily as we used to you know or uh, or you know it seemed like that didn't have the oscar run it should have or uh, i mean i don't know you know what is it going to look like, or it didn't have the can run that it should have i you know we I don't know what it's like. Again, you know, I'm not sure what to compare this to um, in terms of what you, you know, what we're missing as fans, as as what the filmmakers are missing. You know, does can really matter that much in the as I mean, I think Steve put it really well that it's since you're looking for a distributor, if you, you know, don't get assuming these these people do eventually get distributors, does it really did Netflix even matter? yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I put it to you guys. I mean, what do you think this is going to look like in 10 years? Well, getting your film shown in a large theater is going to be become more and more difficult if this uh, amusement park uh, model keeps keeps expanding. Right. Um, already there, like, when you look back to even, even the, the dirty 80s, there are a lot of uh, adult dramas that... Uh, that we're showing in, in mainstream theaters. You, you don't find those now. Right. It's very difficult. The Milos Forman years, we could call exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so the ones, yeah. Um, what, yeah. I mean, it's tough because, like, for instance, I don't understand sometimes the way that Netflix decides to operate. And what I guess what I mean by that is, like, they get movies... And unless you somehow stumble upon them, you don't even know they're there. Like, I think you already mentioned that. But the fact that, like, they talk about they have their algorithm and it talks about, oh, well, we look at the traffic and we figure out what's going to be the most uh, important to, to put out there on the menu. So that way you can 
see what's, um, you know, basically the most buzzed about. But, like, for instance, did you guys know that She Would Tell Ejiofor has a new film that came out yes. yesterday? Yeah, I got an email from Netflix. <laughs> oh, you did? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's called Come Sunday. And I happened yeah. to watch the trailer, and it actually looks really good. And I might even check it out this weekend. But I would not have otherwise known unless I was, like, either looking around on IMDb, looking up She Would Tell Ejiofor, or just Googling but, movies in the, general. The thing is, Al, you had the chance to stumble upon it. Right. Had that been destined for a theater, you wouldn't know anything about it until they found a tiny slot to put it in. No, that's a good point. I mean, because there are a ton of movies, as we know, that get released but only go to a very limited amount of theaters. And... You, once again, you have to sort of dig around even when it's at a theater. And a lot of times you find out, oh, it's playing or this film exists, but you can't see it because it's not in your area. Yeah, exactly. Because we're stuck with these tentpole movies that are the only things that they seem to want to put out in theaters. Which, Let me ask you, Alan, Steve, yeah, something. Sure. Uh, and now maybe I should be the one answering this question since I seem to have claimed that I'm an expert or something. But let me let me put it to you. Do you see Netflix blinking a little bit on this, like maybe saying, OK, you know what? Fine. We'll uh, we'll let the movie have three months uh, in theaters in France first uh, and then and then it comes on our stream. You know, they, they'll just OK, 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 fine. You know, or at least maybe in certain places where they think it matters uh, or didn't maybe they, just with certain filmmakers. Sorry. So go ahead. Didn't they do that with uh, Beasts of No Nation? And then they met they ran into that. uh Netflix equals television wall when it came to the Oscars? I thought Beasts of No Nation came out at the same exact time uh, in Perhaps. theaters and on Netflix. Maybe I'm wrong. It did. It. Um, I don't know about France, but yeah, it hit theaters, at least in the United States, at the same time as did uh, Mudbound. Yeah, I thought that's their only thing. They're they're definitely willing to do them at the same time, but the idea of doing it first, I mean, I, I yeah. can't imagine them ever doing uh, no. this thing that uh, France is demanding with like 36 months, three years, um, you know, prior. But no. hey, maybe that's a negotiating tactic, you know, um, on France's part, whatever, you know, if you want to believe that, you know, uh, and therefore, okay, Netflix is at zero. France is at 36 months. Let's see if they meet in the middle somewhere. I don't know. (laughs) What do you think? Well, if it's been in the theater for a while, a lot of people will have already seen it and won't tune into Netflix. Right? So you're right. So you're saying Netflix will not blink on this. I I think they're still finding their feet. They may find some, some compromise somewhere, but I think there's, there's no way that a, that a, that a, a budding service is going to undercut themselves just to please the the old dinosaur that doesn't want to move. Yeah, that's another thing we talk about in the book is, like, how budding are they? I mean, at this point, they're a hegemon almost. You know, they're really controlling a major sector, streaming. But I agree with you that streaming is so new that, you know, we kind of have to see how it shakes out. Well, you know, the question that I think about is what exactly is the definition of a Netflix film? Because right. it's like, is it produced by Netflix or is it bought by Netflix? Because Just like, bought. Yeah, I mean, because the thing is, you know, Mudbound, to use it as, as an example, was bought by uh, Netflix. And then, you know, it went 
to theaters to get Oscar eligible, but also released on Netflix the same day. And as we know, that, of course, premiered at Sundance, where it was purchased. But a lot of their films now, I feel like as they're growing in stature, like they're starting to produce their own films. Netflix is becoming a movie studio. Oh, yeah. They're just like every other studio. They they uh, directly finance some films and then they pick up other films that have that were already made. I mean, but I, so if we're going by the old definition, knowing that other studios have done that, you know, we talk about Warner Brothers films that Warner Brothers just acquired. And we also talk about yeah. films Warner Brothers finance from the get go. And those all both get called Warner Brothers films that you basically That's define right. it as the logo of Warner Brothers shows up at the beginning. And, you know, we so the same goes for Netflix. Netflix also streams films that they didn't um you know finance or you know or put their logo on yeah and and that's partly why i ask because in my opinion maybe a good compromise is like if if okay one they should definitely put the film in theaters in france i don't know why they don't i don't see what the problem well, is it's, there? It's what Steve just said, because, you know, the people aren't going to want to see it twice, you know, or it loses value, you know. Well, I guess, it. yeah, I mean, and I understand that, but the, the thing is, like, isn't Netflix more of a North American commodity? No. No, not anymore. Not really, no. And they have these, vi- I mean, they won't even t- talk about their international strategy. <laughs> well, barely. <laughs> even to American investors who really want to know. Um, but yeah, but no, they're, they try to really corner the market. They had a big thing about making sure they weren't bootlegged in each country. And uh, I, you know, it's a long story, but no, I mean, they're, they're trying to be a global marketing company. They're trying to, as B Garner might put it, Hoover up uh, all the streaming opportunities <laughs> in every country, you know? Okay. I well, guess they're I, also you know, a challenge trying to get into uh, China as well because China's a little sure. restrictive in their uh, content rules. Right. Yep. Yeah, China has a whole bunch of regulations. Yeah, I don't know where this is. Um, I mean, I yeah, I, I empathize with filmmakers having to make this kind of uh, Hobson's choice uh, of, you know, you know, it's just not going to be easy. They shouldn't be forced to make that, have to make that choice. This is simply a... Uh, a different form of delivery, right? It's just well, that the, just... the established, the established, the established, the establishment doesn't ex- doesn't accept the new one. Yeah. Well, I guess the one thing that comes to mind as well um, is, okay, how long do we think that film festivals will retain their value as to how we've always associated them as being? Because you know, I know, I understand that more film festivals are popping up all the time. You know, we now have the Middleburg Film Festival, for instance. But the fact that, like, Khan is always kind of considered the granddaddy of them all, they want to hold on to being important as long as they can. But if, in my opinion, like, if the way that the nature of film is going and changing... And the definition even of what a film is, is changing. It's kind of like, well, how do we, how will we be defining what a film festival will even be? Because I understand as well that like, for instance, there's a TV festival now. And the idea that, for instance, if you were to IMDb 
uh, a Netflix released film, it doesn't. The ratings don't come up as R rated or as as PG. It comes up as like TV mature, even though it's a film. And so I think part of the question that I have to ask is where will Con fit into this more so than even where where will Netflix fit in? Yeah, well, I think it's funny you say that. I mean, Khan itself doesn't have to worry. I, well, I, I think, you know, granddaddy, I mean, probably Venice and Berlin probably also feel that they're the granddaddies of film festivals. But those on that level, so it's sort of like the older ones don't have to. It's the newer ones that may get, that may realize they already entered a saturated market. I think with the history of Cannes, it's always going to have some people, you know, it's always going to be this party this two-week party in may uh you know and it's not so expensive to put on you know i mean the filmmakers still need it as steve's saying they're still looking for distribution in the company so it still makes sense to me i i i think with that history it's not i mean in 50 years what are they going to do not have it i mean i i think that history will draw people back um in their case but i think you may well be right that some of these smaller festivals start to see diminishing returns in a streaming era um that's my take i don't know what do you think steve well there is a a definite tradition to film festivals that i don't think is going to go away it's a it's a it's an atmosphere it's a it's a whole it's a whole entity into itself yeah i don't think they're gonna i don't think they're gonna go anywhere i don't think whether, you know, if they allow Netflix films, some of them may, uh, it's, I don't think it's going to impact their business one way or the other. Um, I think it's just the, the ones who have a, go through this identity crisis every once in a while, like, like Ken does, like women have to wear heels and no more selfies on the red carpet. <laughs> right. All this fall to all that really has nothing to, has nothing to do with viewing a film. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, I heard about that too, and I, I didn't, I, I hadn't even heard about that before. The fact that, like, some... Was it Penelope Cruz that was um, not allowed to be on the red carpet? Or, on, on, like, on the carpet or whatever because she wasn't wearing heels or something? Possibly. I thought I heard that. Like, it was her... Like, it was a film with her and Benicio Del Toro, I think? I don't know. I don't remember. This, yeah. I don't know. I guess the question is, is, like... Um, what is a filmmaker going to look at it, you know, even a, a couple years from now, are they going to go, well, I, I'd rather have distribution than a premiere, you know? I mean, premieres are great. It gets the word out there. A lot of the, um, you know, the, the, like the reviewers, the critics go, I mean, even people obviously like Sasha will go, or Craig Kennedy will go and they'll see these films and then they'll blog about them and that'll get the word out. But I wonder sometimes what are, are the filmmakers thinking about? Are they, are they worried about um, trying to make a profit more or are they trying to be more of a, like a formidable force, you know, with like their um, creativity? Because to me, it's like, I don't, I don't know if I want to be associated with Netflix and the word creativity sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but okay, that's that's the other thing that ticks me off. Do you know how much crap came out of Warner Brothers and Fox and MGM when they were making a thousand films a year? 
Eighty-five percent unwatchable garbage. So. <laughs> Maybe in the fifties it got a little bit worse. I don't know. So that was a little bit, but okay, yeah. Film noir was actually a sign of depression. <laughs> um, sure. I mean, right. There's always been, you know, uh, I, I see what you're saying, that con- the, the, it's not like things ha- have always been so great or, or something. But I think with Khan, we've always wanted it to sort of stand for the best in film. Not that it always has. Yeah. I like how feisty they are. I like that they, they boo, you know, regularly. Oh, yeah at uh, the ends of screenings and things. I think that's great. I mean, it's an, it's an atmosphere we, we wouldn't want to have to get rid of. And I don't think we will. Yeah. It's just that I think that um, they may find themselves more uh, estranged from this part of the industry, but I, I don't know. I, I, maybe that's a good thing. See, I, again, I could see how they could turn that around. You know, you, you going back to that, those days, uh, Steve makes me think of, uh, you know, Otto Preminger, you know, every time one of his films was disparaged by, uh, you know, the some kind of censorship board, he'd turn around and use that as like, you know, promotional material. Oh, yeah, this is the sure. film they don't want. This is the film they don't want you to see. Well, that's, maybe that's, the new, uh, you know, whatever the the next, uh, you know, I, I don't know, Spike Lee or somebody could say this is the film that Netflix doesn't want you to see that. I could see that being branding, you know, uh, or a band know. from Cannes right across the, yeah. right across the trailer. <laughs> right. The other way around. Yeah, exactly. Right. Something. I mean, I, I, you know, I think that the marketplace is lively enough uh, yeah. to handle that. But it, I can see why people might be a little upset that Netflix seems to be, you know, um, doing all this. Maybe it's just a matter of Netflix, you know, flexing its muscles now to establish itself. And in five years, they'll kind of run out of their seemingly endless supply of cash and then things will settle back down. That's possible. Pull pull back a little so that they look a little more friendly. They might. I mean, that could happen. Um, Yeah. It's hard to say, you know, and it might, once we see, I'm, I'm curious what's going to, now that Disney has acquired Fox, (laughs) I'm fascinated to see what's going to happen. Um, So Disney will have a streaming platform and then, you know, what, what are Warner brothers, Paramount, um, you know, Sony uh, and um, who am I forgetting? Sorry to space out. Oh, and universal. I mean, I, I wonder if they're going to get together, you know, with their own streaming platform or if two of them will, because if that happens, I mean, and maybe it won't, but if it does, I could see how that could become the next chapter in terms of what, you know, what, where these films are going, what kind of exclusive sort of premiere they're going to have in theaters first. You know, I, I don't know. I'm expecting it to follow almost exactly the same model as the theater chains, where you started out with the little mom and pop cinemas on the corner, and then merge, 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 and now we've got things like Cineplex and Lowe's and AMC, and and right. then the big fish Wanda comes and swallows them all up. But it's all it's all in it's all in it's all in. Uh, Sorry, you said Wanda. I had to say remember Wanda. <laughs> In my worst Michael Palin impression. And I don't mean the fish, yeah, right? <laughs> I heard you say a big fish Wanda, but, I, you know. Oh, I yeah, I did, I, didn't I? Heard, oh, son I, of a I, I guess I hear what I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, no, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I love talking about this stuff because I think there's a lot of ways it could go. I, I it, it's If Netflix does successfully 
kind of turn itself into one of the five majors or however many there are. See, it seems, I think right now that the, the Hollywood, I mean, and obviously Cannes is about a lot more than just Hollywood. I, so, so let me just back up a second. I tend to take this California perspective, so I'm sorry because there's a lot more about the, the, the industry is, you know, much more interesting and felicitous than that. Um, but I, I guess what's happening to Hollywood may indeed, you know, happen around the world writ large. You you may have these few services, Netflix and Amazon could be one of them. Google with YouTube could be another one. You know, these could be sort of studios and then we have Disney Fox and then we have, I don't know what else. And it's possible that kind of thing happens around the world. It's possible, you know, France and Germany's lead companies hook up to sort of fight the, the war against, uh, you know, having to cede independence and control and money to the Netflix and Amazons of the world. I mean, you know, there's already talk about that. They're already upset enough, uh, in France and in other countries about what they call GAFA, you know, GAFA being, uh, uh, Google, Amazon, Facebook, uh, and app. Did I say Apple? Well, put Amazon and Apple, whichever one you want to put in the first and second A, but the GAFA, you know, and then you can just add Netflix is going to, you know, be the end at the end of that pretty soon because, uh, you know, like that, like the other four companies, they're sucking up a lot of data. They're monetizing it. They're using it. uh, And maybe it does take away from art to some degree. I mean, that's, that's the other question that we sort of tackled in our book is like, maybe I could ask you guys that. I mean, do you think that, Netflix's model or, you know, or, you know, even doing a deal with Ted Serenos at all diminishes the art, the artistic quality. So in other words, if these filmmakers that are going to Cannes, like, uh, you know, you know who I mean, I mean, we don't just have to talk about Jean-Luc Godard, but, you know, Oscar Farhadi or anybody on that level, you know, who's kind of a cool filmmaker, are they, are they diminishing their art, you know, do, do, are, by, by doing a deal with Ted Sarandos? Is that like doing a deal with, I don't know, some person who would, you know, sort of half ruin the, what we're seeing? Absolutely not. I don't think. All right. uh, how many times have we heard about Harvey Weinstein carving up a, somebody's film and turning it into something that he liked? Uh, lots of times. Yeah, exactly. So I don't. I don't see this. I. I don't think it. I don't think it compromises their art whatsoever. That's good to hear. What Al? Are you with Steve on that? Yeah, I, I think for the most part I am. I mean, I. I haven't heard any horror stories yet, at least. Uh, um, right. But I mean, who knows? I mean, it, it, I don't know how how far Netflix goes to try and keep what goes on behind the scenes out of the public. Um, but I, I just assume that you know Netflix is currently on the up and up. But the other thing that I, I thought of when you were asking that is the fact that you know filmmakers still, as far as I understand, they still have artistic liberties. And that I don't, I don't think that Netflix is jumping in like a Harvey Weinstein and going, "Hey, you know, I don't like this cut. I don't like these actors." That would kill or, Netflix, you know. I think, or any streaming service. If if the word got out that they were they were fiddling with an artistic vision. Yeah, I, I agree because I feel like what they need content. And yes, they content need, and prestige. Yes, I think they need a balance. They need good content to. To co, you know, to to counterbalance the bad stuff that they buy and bury, <laughs> and I'm hoping that you know we'll actually get more great filmmakers 
to to want to go to Netflix. But I'm also hoping that in the in the same vein that Netflix can figure out a way of making it fair, you know, um, the way that those other studios have been operating for the longest time. Or even even an Amazon. I mean, the fact that Amazon puts out their films in theaters first and then puts them on the site. So then in in, in uh, to turn that around, then what if uh, Netflix should ask uh, Warner's or A24 to uh, put their their film on streaming at the same time they put it in the theaters? Right. For that? Yeah. Yeah. I it mean, works both ways. Right. Um Although, you know, I, I feel like sometimes Netflix prides themselves on being the only ones that do that. I think they look right. at that as like, that's what's going to set them apart. Right. You know, they it, almost like that. I mean, that's exactly how they've pissed off Khan. I mean, that's partly why we're talking about it is the fact that they're so proud of the fact that they thought of this and, <laughs> and laughed in the face of the way that things have been going for over a hundred years now that that they don't see that a film needs to premiere at a theater or to you know be something that is thought of as a commercial byproduct as long as they can just put it on their site as their own byproduct. But would you be enthusiastic about showing your film at a festival where the previous year anytime your logo came up on the screen it was resoundingly booed? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, maybe I can since that's yeah, a badge yeah, of honor, but everywhere else, no, of course not. <laughs> I would be horrified. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like if, if it was at Sundance or if it was at Telluride and they're booing, I think, oh, shit, I got a bomb on my hand. This is a turkey that we need to fix. I am kind of – I'm glad, Al, that you bring up this kind of existential issue of what is a film and what it – I mean, in some ways, that, that question has been haunting cinema for a long time. I mean, even Andre Bazin was like, you know, made a, you know, made a name for himself by publishing a book called What is Cinema? And in some ways, he argued we hadn't even – even in the 1950s, we hadn't even gotten there yet because it was an ideal. Um, and I think – no, but you, I think you're right to, to look at some of these things – that come out on Netflix and say, well, wait, does this, if like, let's say it's a three part documentary, the, the, the five came back I'm just throwing out like one example. Is that a film? Is it a show? Is it a show V format film? (laughs) Yeah. Well, right. And I don't know that the French are helping this by, <laughs> by putting Twin Peaks, by you know, but the Twin Peaks, you know, experience from David Lynch, you know, by saying, okay, well, we'll call it, we'll, we'll put it in our top ten films whenever we feel like it. Uh, but you know, hey, that's kind of TV. I mean, maybe it doesn't matter, but if it doesn't matter and everything is just now content, mm-hmm. that's kind of a win for Netflix, I think, for like changing the rules and the game. And it's not I don't know if every filmmaker loves it. It 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 feels like the kind of thing where some filmmakers, you know, it almost reminds me of going back to Russia uh in the twenties where some people like Eisenstein absolutely rejected the coming of sound and other people I'm like just gonna bring that up. Yeah. <laughs> 
we're in, we're into it. And then, you know, so I think some filmmakers will be like, yeah, I love that everything of mine is just weird, amorphous content. But other filmmakers, great filmmakers the, at the con level are going to say, no, the hell with that. I make movies, you know, I make films. They're meant to be isolated two hour experiences in a theater with strangers watching them. You know, I mean, that, you know, the, the video market later, sure, I, I profit from it, but I don't think it's ideal, blah, blah. You know, <laughs> I don't know how many of them are going to give up their back end, you know, saying, well, I, I won't take any of the money that it makes on video later. <laughs> no. Right. And, and I mean, that's the other thing we don't, we don't know from either con or from Netflix, like how, how does that back end profit? You know, how does that work for them? Right. Because if they could calculate that ahead of time, then I think it would be an easier way of figuring out whose side to take if it turns out that they can't seem to find a compromise. But in terms of what, you know, like you're asking the idea, and I think we really are all asking what exactly is a film. I was just having this conversation with Julia the other day. and To me, what a film is, is something that shows all in one, whereas a TV is episodic. I mean, yeah. that's my basic sure. breakdown. But, like, for instance... Um, so how do you explain the uh, the serials from the, the 50s? Well, the <laughs> the, to be yeah. honest, Steve, I, I'm, I'm not that um, well-versed in those. So that's kind of a blind spot for me. But the, Steve, the, Steve, you mean, like, the, the cliffhangers that inspired, yeah. like, Spielberg yep. and Lucas, for example? Yep. They showed right after the newsreel and just before the comedy. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, that's, I mean, I, I should definitely check that out and learn more and if, about that. If you're talking episodic, then uh, does that mean that, like, the Twilight series, that's, that's not film? That's TV? Um... I, well, okay. Star so Wars. Was, yeah, I mean, well, well, okay. To use a, uh, a more appropriate example of what I'm thinking of, at least, um, since I can't, I can't speak to those, is something like Black Mirror. You know, yeah. Black Black Mirror at the Emmys, for instance, um, they always tend to compete in um, more. What what is it like the the category? Something like TV film. You know, um, and I think of Black Mirror as in as as a TV show, but they also look at their own episodes as individual films. Yeah, well, and, they're anthologies. That's that's the format that's been around for, yeah, for a while. And and if you look at the definition, for instance, uh, at least with the Academy Awards, or maybe this maybe this goes beyond the Academy Awards of what exactly um, is a feature film. I think it, I think the definition currently holds is that it needs to be at least forty minutes long. But if you think about it, every television show is at least 40 minutes long unless it's a comedy. And commercially uninterrupted. Well, oh, yes, right. yes. That is the that is the other key is that I, you know, and that's why, like, for instance, something that um, goes to the Lifetime Network or one of those kinds of things, Hallmark Channel, if they're designed to have commercial breaks, I, I can't think of it as a film. But, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I like one of the first examples that I thought of was Twin Peaks and the fact that, like, the very first episode was essentially a movie. And I think it was designed as a movie that 
they weren't sure if it was going to, t- to take as a TV show. So uh, Lynch released it as what, like an hour and a half long. But to get to get back to the Netflix and the streaming thing, um, I think I think it's just an evolution. These are just growing pains. Uh, like Daniel Daniel brought up when sound came in, there was a huge backlash against sound. Right. And there was a huge backlash against uh, Cinerama. Like nobody wants to film a small drama in Cinerama, but nobody's forcing you to, right? Right. Right. So this just becomes one more option, I guess, maybe. But it does, m- much like sound, it's the kind of option that seems to preclude, you know, and sort of, you know, overwhelm other options, right? You know, uh, it's harder to talk about, I, I do think, because we don't we don't really realize the effect that distribution and exhibition have. I mean, it's, and we don't really know them. I mean, I, we're probably film purists. We go to films. I mean, I went to Ready Player One yesterday. I'm not proud of that. <laughs> but, <laughs> You know, but I go to films because I want to see films on screens, you know, on big screens. But, I, you know, it's hard to measure that. I'm, I, I see, I, I'm a, totally agreeing with Steve. It is – these are just growing pains. Um, I guess – yeah, I, I don't know how this is going to shake out in 10 years. I, I think – I don't know, you know. Um, I, I think it's really fascinating. It would be nice to – if this – I'm, I guess I'm dreaming of a, of a can – kind of brand that stands up against Netflix in its own way or, or things that are associated with can, but maybe that's against the can dream because maybe the can dream is all about not being branded. <laughs> just just but, like they were, they were anti-Hollywood for so long as well. That was, right. that was their thing. Yeah. So I think there's room for everybody in the pool, actually. Is, is this a good thing that this is happening or, or do you do do we think that this will only divide the industry more? I love shakeups. I think shakeups are the best thing that ever happened to any any artistic endeavor or any business. Yeah, it yeah. keeps you alive. It keeps you growing. It keeps you thinking. You don't become complacent. You don't start putting out pap after pap after pap. Right. Yeah. yeah. No. That. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I. I think there's reason to be hopeful on on all this. Yeah, I think prior to Netflix, we have forgotten how many existential crises the <laughs> industry has had just in this 21st century. I mean, and I, I'm talking about like the just the years since, let's say, 9-11. I mean, I'm just saying uh, I remember the shakeups of 2005. Uh, now, this is something you can't find on Wikipedia. So the kids will tell you this isn't a thing. They'll tell you it never happened. But <laughs> there was a time. And if you look over box office mojo data, you'll see, but you have to do the research, which people don't do. You'll see that in 2005, all these expensive films just failed to open one after another, after another for weeks, months. It was a really weird thing that was happening. I mean, it was so, it seemed really aberrant uh, at the time. Many, many films were failing to open. Um, And so that's the kind of thing we, we, we need shakeups, not just, I don't want to say uh, to prevent things like that, to prevent a 2005 from happening. I don't really mean that, but I mean, um, you know, this Netflix, this infusion of cash, let's see where that goes. You know, it, it can, it, 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 it'll, it'll turbocharge some filmmakers. It'll get others to get creative in other ways. I, I, I like where I like what Steve has said. You'll see more diversity in right. uh, filmmakers. I'm sure. Absolutely. Cause Netflix has, 
has prioritized diversity. They put their brand on that too. I mean, they gave Shonda Rhimes and Ryan, Ryan Murphy deals that they never gave anybody else. And, you know, they've put orange is the new black front and center as part of their brand. So yeah, diversity is definitely part of their brand. So, so yes, keep going, Steve. Oh, I I lost it. Okay. I ruined your point. I'm sorry. It'll be back. It'll be back. My mind's a merry-go-round. I don't lose anything forever. Uh, That's the spirit. Um, but yeah, I think, um, that's something we also talked about in the book, uh, that, yeah, I mean, they're, they're counting on that. They're counting on diversity. Um, you know, I, I agree with you in general, Steve, that these kinds of shakeups, you know, eventually have sort of salubrious effects, you know, and to paraphrase Howard Beale, they are all, all of them, the studios, Netflix streaming, they're all in the boredom killing business. So anything that stirs them up. Anything that stirs them up and makes them try something different is it's all the better for the audience. Right. Genau das war sein Flair, er war ein Virtuose, war ein Rocky-Doll und alles ruft noch heute Captain Rock me up,